Let's talk about Peter. Let's talk about Peter for a few minutes. Um, over the last last three weeks, uh, we've been in this in this uh, sermon series, the culture of Christ, and the last three messages have been um, on love. You know, Mark started us off just with a wonderful representation of how Jesus loved, how he absolutely loved um, his disciples, and how he loved non-believers as well. And then the next week, um, Andy, Andrew, followed that up with a message on generosity. And just can't help be generous. And I feel like I'm cutting out here. I, I am. All right. Here. All right. Um, so Andrew did a message on generosity. So that's kind of the next. You get love poured into you, and you can't help but just pour it out. And talking about the amazing generosity that Jesus showed towards everyone that he was around, and, and including his time, especially with his, his disciples. And then presence. Kara last week preached about presence and how important it is for us to spend time in the Word, spend time worshiping, spend time praying, just because Jesus was the absolute model of that. So let's take those three things and let's wrap them into Peter. Peter gave one of the most amazing and probably one of the most famous sermons in all of Scripture in Acts 2. It was a sermon that uh, was at Pentecost, and uh, the result of it was the start of the church as we know it. So I want to read um, Acts 2, um, 14 through 41 is is the entire uh, message. I'm not going to do that, but I do want to read just a couple snippets from Acts 2. So Acts 2, 14 says, But Peter... Standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. Then he went on later on in Acts 2, 38-41. Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. 3,000 souls in one day. 3,000 souls in one day. It's incredible. And this is, and when we think about this, this, this preach that Peter gave, um, it's important for us to think about why he was there. And those last three messages all are wrapped into this, but Peter would not have been able to give that sermon if he hadn't been discipled intentionally by a man, Jesus Christ. And so today, so today we are talking about discipleship. And um, it's the fourth sermon in the series, and I've just hit the like basics of the messages that Mark and Kara and Andrew gave. Please go and listen to them if you haven't heard them. We're in this sermon series not because we as Impact Rock Church are trying to push an agenda, but we are trying to push the agenda of the kingdom as a church. And to do so, we have to focus on what it means to be a culture that is focused on Jesus Christ. So we've had a common theme every single week. I'm going to read John 13, 12 through 17 again, just because it shows Jesus and and how he was asking his disciples, and we're going to get to this in more detail later, to do as he said. So let's read this together. 
John 13, 12 through 17 says, When he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say well, for I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Mark said it the first week, but it's it's we, we have to take this and realize that Jesus is saying, if I then, your Lord and Savior, have done blank, then you should also do as I have done to you. We can't just be hearers of the word. We have to be doers of the word. And this specific topic on discipleship is one that Kendra and I, um, over the last six to nine months, have been very, very passionate about. Um, we just feel like an, an urging in, in a season of discipleship and, and making sure that that's part of who we are uh, when it comes to our culture in Christ. Um, by the way, my name is Brad. I didn't introduce myself. Um, I am one of the pastors here. Uh, this is my wife, Kendra. She's sitting in the front row. Um, to start, I'm going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to start with the end of the message. So I want you to understand the heart of Jesus when it comes to discipleship. We are called to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is a commandment, and it is not an optional commandment. It is for every single Christian. To be a Christian is to be a disciple-maker. To be a Christian is to be a disciple-maker. And I feel like we as a church sometimes don't focus on this commandment as much as we should. So I want you to think about that, just that statement. To be a Christian is to be a disciple-maker. And have that in your, in your mind and your heart as we go through this message today. So I want to start by just defining discipleship. I have it up on the screen just so um, we can read it together. And this is, this is something that I wrote as, as, as the Spirit led as I was studying through um, what discipleship is. Um, so, so this is what um, I feel the Lord is defining as, as discipleship. So Christian discipleship is the process by which Christians intentionally help and teach others to grow in Christ, helping them to overcome the pressures and trials of this life and become more and more Christ-like. The result of discipleship is more Christians who intentionally execute the Great Commission. There is an intentionality to discipleship. Discipleship is not the gathering of Christians. Discipleship is not doing life with other Christians. Discipleship is not just simply saying that you are a Christian. There is an intentional next step that goes with discipleship in that you are urging another Christian to become closer and more Christ-like. And so in order to do that, in order to understand what that looks like, we should probably look at Jesus because that's our ultimate example. And so I want to start by talking about how Jesus focused on discipleship. And then we're going to go into day-to-day discipleship and the discipleship of tomorrow. So those are the three sections we're going to go through today. 
Jesus had a monumental task on this earth. A monumental task. And we think about the fact that he had this this weight of eventually dying for our sins and being resurrected. And that obviously is the, the main story of, of Jesus. But Jesus was a man living on this earth needing to ensure that he had his priorities aligned with God the Father. And it was a huge task because his life was going to be the basis for which the church started and the basis for which his Father would be glorified. So it wasn't just his death and resurrection that was going to change the world. It was how Jesus spent his life that would have a tangible impact. I have a quote from David Platt, uh, who wrote a book called Radical. I just want to read that to you, and it'll be on the screen here. If we were left to ourselves with the task of taking the gospel to the world, we would immediately begin planning innovative strategies and plotting elaborate schemes. We'd organize conventions, develop programs, and create foundations. But Jesus is so different from us. With the task of taking the gospel to the world, he wandered through the streets and byways, and all he wanted was a few men who would think as he did, love as he did, see as he did, teach as he did, and serve as he did. All he needed was to revolutionize the hearts of a few, and they would impact the world. How cool is that? How cool is that? Jesus had limited time on earth, and God the Father said, I want you to focus on a select group of men, and that is then going to revolutionize the world. So let's read Luke 6.12. Now it came to pass in those days that Jesus went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. So this is when Jesus was starting to gather followers. And Jesus, again, knew the importance of understanding exactly what the Father had for him at this point in his, in his ministry. And so as Kara talked about, he prioritized the presence of God, and he prayed all night about what God wanted to do when it came to his followers. And so you go on to the next verse. Um, when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve whom he also named apostles. So all night long, Jesus is praying intentionally, God, what do you have for me when it comes to my purpose on this earth? And the byproduct of it was, Jesus, I want you to focus primarily on these 12 men. And he goes on in the next verse to name all 12 of them. Um, and so this, I just want to make it clear that the presence piece is so important. As we talk about discipleship, and to be a Christian is to be a disciple maker, so much of that is based on the fact that we have an absolutely consistent presence with Jesus Christ. So that's the setup, that's the foundation. But then what did Jesus do? After he you know, brought those twelve together and did life with those twelve together, uh, he loved them, he cared for them, but he discipled them. John 13, 34. This is after Jesus had just washed their feet. Before I read the verse, Jesus had this foundation of love with the disciples. A foundation that was so sweet. You know, I look at the way when after Jesus came back from the dead, I look at 
Peter's reaction when he sees Jesus for the first time. He jumps out of a boat and just can't can't wait to get to the to get to see Jesus. He's so excited to see Jesus. Think about John. He said that he rested his head on Jesus's chest as he was spending time with Jesus after he was resurrected. There was this basis of love that was so sweet and so tangible. And so based on that, Jesus is able to give this commandment to his disciples. John 13, 34, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So the disciples had this base of love and trust, and Jesus, throughout his entire time, he did so much to be intentional with the disciples. And this specific commandment, the disciples are ready to soak it up because they have had the love of Jesus and they had had the intentionality of Jesus while Jesus was on the earth. So I want to focus just on four specific ways that Jesus intentionally discipled. And these four are very important because they're very true for us today if we want to disciple effectively as Jesus did. So the first... Jesus treated each of the disciples as an individual. He treated each of the disciples as an individual. It wasn't so much... I mean, there were many times where Jesus had group teachings, but we see in Scripture about how he challenged Thomas. He confronted, and often, I'm sure, probably wanted to slap Peter <laughs> because he was he was obstinate, and he asked so many, so many questions, and he was... Um, just had this like passion about him that Jesus had to rein that in. Um, he loved John. And we see so many scriptures about how Jesus had intentional individual relationships with each of the disciples. So that's the first thing. The second, it was constant. It was constant. He didn't just set up time every once in a while, you know, had every other week coffee with each disciple. It was a consistent commitment that Jesus made to these disciples. It also, thirdly, wasn't about following rules. It was about helping them understand that there was a mission to complete. It wasn't about a curriculum. It was about the mission that Jesus knew that they had to carry out. And then lastly, he was devoted he was devoted. The father told him the importance of these 12 men. So what did Jesus do? He made sure that he was intentional with these 12 men. And the byproduct of it was Peter. <laughs> the byproduct of it was Peter. But Peter wasn't going to be able to just, the minute that he accepted Christ, go out and give a preach that saved 3,000 people. It was because someone was intentional with him. It was that Jesus was intentional in bringing him up in all the ways of Christ, in all the ways of God the Father. So Jesus intentionally poured himself and his teaching into those that God the Father had put into his life to disciple. Jesus didn't do, just do life with these men. He prayed with them. He taught them. He corrected them. He spoke the truth about the Father constantly so they would not just understand, but they would they would be prepared to make a huge impact for the Father. So let's not minimize just how important that intentionality that Jesus had towards the disciples was, all right? 
And let's have that in the back of our mind as we talk about us discipling. So let's talk about our day-to-day discipling and what we're called to do when it comes to disciple others. And I first want to say, I owe the fact that I'm up here preaching to the discipleship of others. You know, I think about my parents. My parents didn't just love me. My parents wanted me to grow up in Christ. And they taught me. And they pushed me. And they ensured that I understood Scripture and I understood the love of Jesus intimately. I had youth pastors, youth leaders in my middle school, teenage years, who again were intentional with me, saying, I care about you, Brad, and I want you to grow in the ways of Jesus. Michael Freeman was the best man at my wedding. Um, he's not here today, but um, he he started coming to Impact Rock Church before I did. And he was discipled by Mark. And discipled in the ways of the Holy Spirit and just how big our purpose on earth here is. And Michael, instead of just taking that and just holding it to himself, he said, he called me down in Texas and it's just like, Brad, there's something different about this church. And we haven't entirely be doing this Jesus thing right because we are supposed to be active using the active heart the active part of the Godhead the Holy Spirit who is awesome to actually change the world and he wanted more for me and he was intentional with me and when I came here Mark has discipled me you know I've had so many people along the way that have been intentionally teaching me and building me up in the ways of Jesus and if it wasn't for that I wouldn't be up here right now so why do I say all this? A, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for those who have poured into me and have discipled me along the way. But B, because of their intentionality, it's now my job to be intentional. It's not one of those things where we are just supposed to just soak and soak and soak and soak. We're supposed to outpour. And so the Bible study that we've been doing on Wednesday mornings, that's a byproduct of it. I was obedient in that God said, Brad, there's a need to disciple men in the church. And there has been such a, a, a sweetness from that Bible study where we have grown and we've, we have been challenged. I've been challenged through that Bible study. But again, it's because of the intentionality of Jesus speaking to others who then are intentional with me that we then have that Bible study. I mean, it's a, it's a domino effect. And it's important that we continue that domino effect. So let's look again at the four ways Jesus was intentional. So I'll ask the questions. Are you individually discipling others? Is this a constant priority in your life? Are you urging others that there is a greater mission at stake here? And are you devoted? And just think about that for a second. Answer those four questions in your heart. Because I'm guessing, I'm hoping, that God is putting some people on your heart right now that God has said, I want you to disciple these people. I want you to speak life into this person in your life. And if maybe no one is coming to mind, let me give you an example of a very a very um, obvious disciple in your life. Your kids. Your kids. They're your disciples. They're your disciples. I see... <laughs> that's, that's right, Maddie. 
That's right. I mean, seeing Paul and um, Demetrius here this morning, um, Paul being intentional with his son and teaching him in the ways of Jesus, that's discipleship. And so I ask the question, are we pushing our kids to go deeper into the love of Jesus? Are we memorizing Scripture with them? Are we praying with them? Are we correcting them? Are we intentional with these kids that Jesus has put in your life? Or are we instead letting other priorities dictate how we spend our time? And I'm going to keep going back to these last three sermons. If you're not actually spending time in the presence of Jesus, learning about the love of Jesus, then you're not going to be intentional with those who Jesus has put in your life. You're not going to. You're going to miss it. And think about the gravity of missing it. What if, what if one of your kiddos is Peter? What if that friend who's a young Christian in your life is, is Paul, just up an outstanding man of God who, who just outpours to so many and has a huge impact on the kingdom? Because I, what I don't want to have happen is for you to hear the message of Peter preaching to 3,000 people and think, well, I'm not going to be, I, I'm not a preacher of to three. That's fine. You don't have to preach. That's not what we're saying. But you may have someone that you're called to disciple in your life who's going to be captains of thousands. It's going to make a huge impact on the kingdom. We don't get to choose who we are to disciple. Who we are to disciple. God chooses who we are to disciple. And it's very important that we understand that and that we that we seek out who God has put in your life to be a disciple to. And what does this discipleship look like? I'm, there's so many different ways. There's so many ways. I can't give you all the ways, but what I can say is that it starts with the heart that's focused on the love of Jesus and it's focused on intentionally outpouring into others. And I don't know if it's, it's weekly meetings or it's or if when you do see someone that you're just intentional with with how you're bringing them up in Jesus, I can't tell you. That's between you and Jesus. But I will say that oftentimes we are not focusing on who God's put in our life and we're not asking Jesus, how can I disciple those around me? Because we sometimes kind of dequalify ourselves from that whole discipling thing. That I'm not ready for that. I can't do that. And I'm going to talk more about that at the end of the message. But um, the thing that I just want to make so clear is the intentionality of Jesus was tangible. The intentionality of us reaching out to others in our life should also be tangible. All right, so that's the day-to-day discipling that we are supposed to be carrying out. Um, And now I want to talk about the Great Commission. And it's good. So I think about verses that we quote often. I quote Philippians 4, 6 through 7 all the time. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, um, in prayer, in supplication, make your request known to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that, that transcends understanding will guard your Christ, guard your heart in Christ Jesus. I didn't do a very good job with that verse. But, you know, that's one that you're like, 
oh, a supernatural peace? I want that. Or like Matthew 11.28, Come to me, all who are weary-hearted, and I will give you rest. There's all these good verses that like are, are personally encouraging to us. Then there's Matthew 28.19-20, where it says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this first two verses, you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's good because I, I, I benefit from that. And they're good promises. But this is just as much of a verse as those other two. This is the final verse that, this is the final thing that Jesus says while he's on earth. The last thing! It's the last commandment that he gives on this earth to go and make disciples of all nations. Not if you feel like it. Not if you're a crazy extrovert. says, go out and make disciples of all nations. Period. I'm just thinking how crazy it would be if we... I'm thinking of your favorite movie. Think how crazy it would be if we just stopped before the end of the movie. I mean... I love I love the movie Rocky, right? You know, where it ends, where Rocky has that montage and he's up on the stairs and celebrating. The ending's great. No, that's not the ending. The ending is a, an amazing scene where he, you know, battles and we wouldn't have, Yo, Adrian! Uh, without, without the ending of that movie. And I understand the climax of Jesus' life, the, the, if, the movie of Jesus, if you will, is... His resurrection, you know, the fact that he has conquered sin. But it's a pretty good movie, this whole Jesus movie. And we should go all the way to the end. And this is his final commandment to us. I'm going to take it a step further. Sometimes I hear, you know, someone say, I have a heart for the nations. Well, your reaction to that should be, oh, so you're a Christian. Because all Christians have a heart for the nations. All Christians are supposed to have a heart for the nations. And we have... We are put in a specific place to do a specific task. God has us in Erie for a reason. But if we're missing the fact that there is a global vision, we are missing the heart of God. This is a global mission. This is something that we're all supposed to be a part of. Tyron Daniel, who's the global lead of NCMI, who we you know do so much of, of church with, and they are a fivefold ministry that covers us, that partners with us. Um, he said something that really stuck with me at a teaching that we had a few months ago. He said that the mission is global. We can't lose the global vision because that is God's purpose. You cannot help but realize when you read Scripture that God wants us to care for the lesser places of the earth. If we don't focus on this bigger picture, then we limit what God is going to do through us. I have been so convicted about the Great Commission as I've gone through this message because we have to think outside ourselves and our own our own circle of influence and think that this is part of a greater purpose that we're a part of, guys. This is a huge purpose that we have every single Christian has. And another thing about the Great Commission that I want to point out, it doesn't say go out and get people to accept Jesus in all nations. 
And think about the difference there. It's not enough to just find people to say, I, I've accepted Jesus. It's, I want to create followers of Jesus. I want to create disciples of Jesus that then go out and also disciple others and tell others and tell others and tell others. God created us so that we could have a global impact and make God's truth known throughout the entire world. Salvation is not the end of someone's journey with Christ. It's the beginning of someone's journey with Christ. I'll say that again. Salvation is not the end of someone's journey with Christ. It's the start of their journey with Christ. We aren't supposed to just introduce people to Jesus. We are supposed to bring people into the fullness of a relationship with Jesus. And I'm not saying I know how each and every one of us are supposed to go and affect the nations. But I do know that it's supposed to be on our hearts. And think of the billions of people that would be touched in this world if we, as a church, as as followers of Jesus, were intentional with this. So that's what discipleship is all about. It's about that intentionality. It's about taking what you've learned about Jesus and saying, I'm not content. I need to outpour it. And I'm going to obey the commands of my awesome Savior, who I know and love intimately. So I said earlier, to be a Christian is to be a disciple maker. And Jesus exemplified what a life focused on discipleship looked like. Going back to the definition again, Christian Christian discipleship is the process by which Christians intentionally help and teach others to grow in Christ. So I want to go back to Peter's sermon. And again, the point I'm trying to make with Peter is that he had a man discipling him intimately, which led to him making one of the greatest sermons of all time, which led to thousands of people being saved, which led to the church growing and flourishing. Acts 2.40, just continuing the story after the message that Peter gave. And, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from the perverse generation. We read this before. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. This is the verse. Verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They accepted Jesus and immediately worked on becoming disciples. Immediately. That's how it's supposed to work. They immediately were able to look to those who were ready to disciple them so that they could learn more. They can fellowship. They can, they can become one as a Christian body and affect the kingdom. I mean, after those 3,000 accepted, they immediately, immediately started being disciples. Now, if throughout this message you've been saying, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I'm ready to disciple anyone. I need discipleship myself. That's great. That, that's wonderful. That's wonderful because that's where God has you and that's where God is saying, learn more. Find someone that will pour into you and disciple you so that you can not only be whole 
If your end goal is being whole, you're missing the point. Your end goal is so that you can outpour the goodness of Jesus to others. We as a church, um, we're going to be intentional about teaching on discipleship and how to become uh, a better discipler. Uh, we're we're working on some curriculum, and we're going to later this year, you know, be having some classes on on what it means and how how to be a good discipler. Um, but I've got to say, it's not a ten-step program. <laughs> it's not something where you check off all the boxes, then you're like, "Hey, you're ready," because um, I'll ask a question. Everyone on the everyone in this room is sitting right now. Um, stand up if you're perfect. Thanks, Brandon. None of us none of us are perfect. Stop disqualifying yourself from the fact that you can be a discipler right now. Don't disqualify yourself. There's no, again, list that you have to check off to say, okay, I'm ready to disciple now. Do you know the love of Jesus? Do you know some scripture? Do you know what it's like to, you know, work in the power of the Holy Spirit? That's important to note, by the way. All of this is not on us. Jesus said it'd be better that he went away so that we'd have the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit comes power. That Holy Spirit comes power. And I'm not going to talk too much about it because I'll be stealing Mark's thunder because he's preaching about power next week. But Acts 1.8 I mean, it, it says that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Uh, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is not in our power. That's the great thing about this. We have the Holy Spirit to ensure that we have the power to go out and make disciples of all nations. We are, we are to be doers of the word, guys. And we absolutely have to be doers of the last commandment that Jesus gave before he left. We have to. So if you're here today and you're convicted as I was, as I went through this message about going out and making disciples of all nations, let's pray about it. Let's pray about what that means. Let's pray about how that can be tangible in your life. It's not optional. It's not optional for you to have a heart for the nations. Is there a Peter in your life who's waiting to flourish into all Christ has for him? Are we truly latched on to God's global vision to make disciples of all nations? As Christians, that is our call. And let's be intentional like Jesus, who the Father has put in our lives, and actually go out and disciple. To be a Christian is to be a disciple maker.